Welcome back. We're here for episode two. Fair warning, we're recording episode two, even though we haven't posted episode one. So if there was extremely negative feedback, it will not be implemented. Just so everyone, like if there was one thing everyone was mad about, it's probably going to happen again. Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry about that thing that we did. We're going to do it again this episode. Three is where we're going to start implementing feedback, I think. But also that's not an invitation for you to criticize. Actually, I'm cutting that part out. I am the cutout queen. Like there, there were just things that we said weird or words that we added sometimes and I was like, uh uh-uh. This one's gonna go better because we have a loose agenda now. We do. Speaking of, we should talk about what we're about to do. We should. Welcome back. Episode two of Teacher Quit Talk. Um, I'm Miss Redacted. I'm Froz. The the dynamic duo, the teacher quit talk and the teacher pause talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was really excited that people are like happy to see us together. I know, right? I know that we like each other, but the reaction of people that like both of us was very, um, made me feel good inside. Me too. It really warmed my spirit. And so like the other, you're about to really be in your girl boss era right now when I tell you this. Okay. Because you have far more followers than I have and have been making the teacher content longer. A bunch of my like really close friends, like three or four of them reached out to me and were like, congratulations. They were like, Fraz wants to make a podcast with you. Congratulations. And I was like, no, I'm literally like, I feel like I got picked on The Bachelor, except I didn't sign up. I just got a DM. Like, <laughs> You're the only person I would want to do this with. People have been asking me to start a podcast for a while. And I've literally been like, no, like, I don't want to be on a podcast because it just feels like for why like awkward but when you asked me to be on a podcast I was like that's a podcast that's hilarious congratulations that you're with me you riding your coattails through the stratosphere (laughs) through the metaverse what are your thoughts on the metaverse it's up in the air as to whether or not I'm gonna admit this openly on the podcast or delete it I don't know what the metaverse is okay so this is what it is the metaverse is just virtual reality so you put on VR and you do virtual reality. But instead of you just being in a fake place by yourself, you're in a fake place with all of your friends. So like Club Penguin. Yeah, except on a VR headset. It's like a VR headset Club Penguin. But this is the part that trips me out is like, the tech bros looked around the world and they said, you know what this needs? More scarcity, because in the metaverse, you buy concert tickets, you buy land, and it's like there's finite amounts of it. Like they're like, oh, we're only selling this many tickets to Paris Hilton's DJ in the metaverse. And it's like live and in VR. But my thing is like we're literally in the Internet. Just like make it unlimited. Wait, wait. So they said, okay, here's Farmville and here's Club Penguin and we're going to make it real and mean something. Except it's not real. It's virtual reality. No, but like realer. Yeah, realer. So our loose agenda for today, we do not have a guest today. We are going to be having guests on here, but we thought we'd get in a little bit of a groove, just the two of us for now. Um, And we're going to be reading some of these submissions. So people can anonymously submit stories to us. If you would like to do that, uh, the link is in both my page and Fraz's page. Um, Y'all are competent and gorgeous. I'm sure you can find it. Fraz, it was originally you started the submission link. So just generally speaking, what kind of things are people sending in? It's pretty juicy in there. All types of secrets, tea about their schools, 
there are so many different reasons why people are quitting teaching. And a thing that I've like found interesting on the online discourse and talking to other teachers that have left is just what you said, like everyone's reasoning is so different. And I feel like it's really easy for the news to be like, this is why teachers are leaving. But like, Mm -hmm. so in my case, money was the main reason I left. Like we all know my admin was like nightmare street, but like I would have just switched schools if it hadn't have been for the financial aspect of it. But one of my friends who's a teacher for finance, it wasn't about the financials at all. She actually took a pay cut in her next position and it was a hundred percent um, like lack of support when it came to student behavior and lack of support when it came to parents who talk to her not nice. So I think it's, it just varies so much by everyone. So I'm excited to get in everyone's trauma. We all have shared and unique trauma. That's teaching, baby. That's, that's the showbiz. We're all just <laughs> trauma bonded together. When I was in my credential program, I met some of my best friends in the whole world. And I say that those friendships were forged in fire. And like every school that I've gone to, I feel like I've collected a person that's become like very special to me because we have shared trauma. I miss my teacher bestie so much. She is still out there. If you're listening, I miss you. You're still out there suffering. She actually just got promoted, good for her. But but it's true, like it really is a bond. We had the same planning period. If you have the same planning period as your teacher bestie, it's like you are truly blessed. And literally we would just sit in our classrooms, like one of us would be at our desk and then the other one would be in like a kid desk and we would just look at each other like this and be like, like what the fuck (laughs) that's sometimes the only thing that can be said is what the fuck literally um should we we'll get into reading these submissions yeah i'll read my long one then we can do your long one and then we'll finish off with my little short one from mrs ann miss ann shirley not her government name she said not my real name it is from a book Please do not send us your government name unless you really want us to say it. And even then, maybe not the time or place, but I'll let you make that call. Um, So Miss Anne Shirley, her final sentence, I know I'm going out of order here. She said, wow, you're going to get more of these. That was stupid therapeutic. So we picked you as our first submission because you did submit a lot of things and we're going to share them. So we're, we're starting off your number one submission on our first submission episode. So let's get into it. So my district hired me as a first year teacher. I was absolutely ecstatic. It was the district I dreamed of working at and wanted nothing more than to be the best teacher I could be. Relatable. We all feel that way. We come in, we're like, let's, let's, rock, let's rock this shit, you know? Um, where was I? The district, the district you did not interview for a specific grade level or position. It's so competitive and wanted that you interview and accept whatever position they offer you. That's kind of giving Hunger Games. I don't love that. And also, I'm wondering, what do you mean any position? Like, what, if, what about your certifications? Well, that's what they do here. That's how I ended up in third grade. Wait. Now I'm really thrown for a loop because the way certifications work in Florida is it's like, so I'm certified social studies sixth through 12th grade. So like you couldn't just be like, hey, queen, you're teaching third. But elementary, it's like K through three, three through six, I think. Ours is K through eight. Oh. I interviewed and I got put in a, I got put in a pool, an applicant pool. And they interviewed me at the HR office at the district. And then they actually rank you behind the scenes. You don't know what your ranking is, but they will say like, this person's exceptional or this person is like, okay. And you, 
you might not get called for a year and a half if you're like somebody on this podcast who is in an applicant <laughs> pool for a year and a half. <laughs> um, uh, but I did get the call. They put me in third. Oh. Anyways, so tell me more. It's also the highest paying district in the area. Kind of funny because it was only $42,000 a year. $42,000 a year. Where? I know, I wanna know where this is. And that's like a very common pay rate, you know? Not here, you'd die. Yeah, well, I know, so Florida has a law that the minimum is $47,500 per year. So that's how much I always made, but you make that your first 10 years, which gross. But there's a lot of districts in Florida that aren't even compliant with that law. They still pay less than that, which I don't understand how you make a law about a minimum pay and then someone doesn't do it and you're like, oh, you'll get them next year. Like <laughs> Because education, the same way that they make laws about how many students can be in a classroom and they're like, those are suggestions. Next time I pulled over, get pulled over. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a suggestion. <laughs> Okay, so they, also the highest paying district in the area, kind of funny, because it's only $42,000 a year for hell and mental health declining environment it put me through. They offered me a position as a self-contained teacher for nonverbal students. Self-contained um, is where you teach the same kids all day in the same classroom. So for those of you that are like not education people, never been in teaching, whatever, when I went to elementary school, it was like self-contained is what you did. But nowadays, most elementary school kids have more than one teacher. Has that been your experience for us? Here, it's more of like a least restrictive environment kind of thing where like our kids will get pulled out for minutes for their IEPs, but they don't go and stay in their own room all day. Got it. That's interesting. Again, differences in yeah. even the terminology. So back to the submission. Um, they offered me a position as self-contained for nonverbal students. I was 23 and a first year teacher. They falsely encouraged and hyped me up for the position, stating, you of all people can do it. That, same. So I also, no experience, first year teacher. And they were like, you'll be great because you bring a new perspective, which like, what does that even mean? My perspective of nothing? Like... <laughs> my perspective of no experience they love to say that to new teachers to gaslight them it's like oh you bring such a great new perspective like you just learned all these new cool things in your program they don't tell you that you're gonna roll into your classroom and they're gonna be like "Ooh, uh, actually we don't do it that way here that new thing you learned that's backed with tons of research and is (laughs) objectively better actually violates the district guidelines and we're gonna have you do the exact opposite of it which has been proven to make everything worse here are your yeah. keys welcome they're like just go ahead and brain swipe that here's your pacing guy. <laughs> <laughs> so they falsely encouraged and hyped me up stating you of all people can do it I accepted so happy that they had so much belief in me. They stated I would have access to as many supplies and support that I needed and a small class of seven to 10 students. The class was actually 15 students and three of them were K through third and they were not potty trained. They handed me a pack of diapers and said, good luck. Are you even allowed to do that without trainings? So that's what 
I taught early Head Start, which is through the Department of Child and Family Services, so might be different, but I originally got hired as a sub and I was not allowed to change diapers until the director trained me and like tested me on it with a doll. Because I remember the director was out of town at first and everyone hated me when I first got hired because I couldn't change the diapers. And everyone was like, this useless bitch can't even change a diaper. And I was like, no, I can change a diaper. I just legally can't. I think it is illegal that they did this. Yeah. Because here we can't, if you're a general teacher, you're not allowed to even snap pants. I have to say no. Where do you, what's, what do you do after that? You don't, there's no one that's allowed to? The nurse, if we, if the nurse is there that day, because we only have a nurse half the days of the week. Sometimes I've been like, oh, you don't need to tie them, friend. The button's fine. Like, the zipper is fine. Because, like, I can't tie them. I can't imagine having to deal with those, like, parameters. Because I only ever taught, like, in the K-12 environment, I only ever taught high school. So you don't really ever have to deal with stuff like that. Except occasionally, one time a girl came to me crying because one of her fake eyelashes fell off. And she was like, I am panicked. And I was like, this is before I had lashes. So I really didn't know how to handle the situation. And she put it on with Elmer's glue. And I was like, I really don't think I should have given you that glue. Like, please make sure your parents don't sue me if you go blind. Because I really didn't think you would do this right now. (laughs) Did it work? Yeah, that's the horrible part is it worked. And she said better than the lash glue and came off super easy and didn't irritate it at all. And she was like, it's non-toxic. If kindergartners can eat it, it's fine. Honestly, I'm thinking about the texture of Elmer's glue as it dries. And as long as you don't put too much, I feel like that would be wonderful. Yeah, but I can't imagine. So like in my teaching career, I never had to deal with that. And when I taught early Head Start, you're trained on all of it. So I don't want to say you don't have to think about doing it, but like you're trained and you know how to do it. So I don't have to think twice to like button someone's thing, fix their shoe. Like I can't imagine being like, Sorry, toddler. Good luck. <laughs> well, when we've gotten like people from Head Start or preschool or wherever, they come into kindergarten and they're like picking children up and like <laughs> hugging them and buttoning their pants. And we're horrified. That would be me. So the class was actually 15 and three of them were K3 and they were not potty trained. They handed me a pack of diapers and said, good luck. I had 15 IEPs and evaluations to be managed. Parents were furious a first-year teacher was in the class. They called the school and district office monthly complaining about, quote, the 12-year-old in the classroom. I was punched, kicked, chasing elopers. Elopers is when a child decides to depart the classroom without permission or notifying anyone and just kind of go on a little run. (laughs) Um, I was punched, kicked, chasing elopers, spit on, and many times had to change clothes due to students touching me, wiping their hands on me with their bathroom needs and issues. These things happen daily. And again, like students need what students need. And that's why we train teachers and give them the resources so that no one's in this scenario. That's right. The school offered me no training and support they advertised I would get. I was drowning in behavior issues and parents verbally attacking me in the parking lots and my voicemails. Oh, the way I would call 911 if a parent approached me in the parking lot. Like, (laughs) you're going to follow me to my car? What is this? Dateline? (laughs) Okay, so where was I? Attacking me in parking lots and voicemails, the admins still did nothing to protect me or defend me. The worst morning was walking into my classroom and a parent had left me a voicemail screaming, you are disgusting, you are dangerous, how dare the school let a 12-year-old teach my child? 
This voicemail was left because I notified parents there was a lice case in the classroom. As if you don't have enough plate, enough on your plate with a lice case in your classroom. <laughs> my first year teaching, we had lice in my room the entire year, the whole time. Once we got to Thanksgiving break, I'd be like, ooh, I, I got another opportunity with less lice, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> so the voicemail was left because I notified parents there was a lice case in the classroom. This was something I can't control. I just had to notify. When I let my principal listen to the voicemail, he stated, well, email them an apology to smooth it over. You and them have an IEP meeting later and then walked out and did nothing to defend or support me. You apologize to them? I'm sorry, Boo. sir. Were we listening to the same tapes? I cried so hard with fear to contact them again. Yeah, I would probably just block that number and move on. They had been verbally harassing me like this for the past six months. Why are first year teachers encouraged to take positions inappropriate for their training? This was the beginning of my three year take as a self-contained teacher. Three years, two schools. Our country does not have a teacher shortage. We have a teacher retention problem. That's true because a lot of people want to do it and sign up and then, then they leave. Schools need better training programs to prepare teachers for positions of the intensity level as that. The schools were both shocked when I left. I will never understand why. Schools and admin will literally spend like months and months emotionally tormenting you and then be like, I'm really confused as to why you put in your notice. Um, uh -huh. I spent three years professionally abused. I still get physical negative reactions when I hear certain names. I felt unsafe and in constant fear for three years. I was drowning. Finally, I left when my husband said, please quit. I want my wife back, please. Aww. It broke my heart. I really, I have such a soft spot for good husbands. I love a good husband. Whenever I see a man being a good husband, I'm like, good, as God intended. Absolutely. Um, I was staying after school till 6, 7 p.m. Convinced if I worked harder, I could still be the best teacher. I was young, 6, 7 p.m. Oh. I was young, naive, falsely hopeful, and professionally abused. I just quit, and honestly, I still feel numb and scared and like a failure. You're not a failure. Your principal's a failure. Yeah, seriously. Like, I feel like teachers who have been there less than five years, if, when they quit, if it's like not for like a personal reason, the principal should get like a ding of some kind. <laughs> like, the school grade goes down. <laughs> I am again a young teacher who couldn't handle it all and failed. And then we get to the, wow, you're going to get more of these. That was stupid therapeutic. And Miss Anne Shirley, you sent them in and we will be chugging through them in future episodes. Anne Shirley. I wonder what book that's from. I'm going to Google it. From Anne of Green Gables. Oh, cute. Okay. Do you want to do your long submission now? Sure. This one doesn't have a name. This one says, Hi, I used to be a paraprofessional and was hired as a last minute art teacher for my district. They put me over both schools in my district and I had over a thousand students. They did not train me in any sort of way with how to handle parents, mandatory reporting, how to manage a classroom, or even how to put my grades in. That is like tale as old as time with Prepara. That was just such a whirlwind. So one, you have a thousand students, mm -hmm. immediately no. Two, they didn't even train you with how to put in grades. Even in Ron DeSantis's Florida, that gradebook manager called my ass to the auditorium and put it on the projector and taught me how to put in grades. I just, paras are put in the worst positions and they get less pay than teachers and they sometimes do more. 
it's bonkers. If you're a para, like, why do they put you in the art teacher spot? The art teacher spot is always, like... I thought that's, like, kind of coveted, no? <sighs> yes, I've seen it be coveted, but I've also seen it be a shit show. Yeah, like, I feel like it's one extreme or the other a lot of times. I feel like districts sometimes think, like, oh, it's just art. Like, it's just art. They can do it, but it's, like... Art's a lot. Like, having any... So, even in my limited experience doing, like, crafts with children... Because I taught high school, but we still got crafty oh, yeah. up in that bitch. Um, just, it's, you really have to have, like, really good classroom management, facilitation, rule setting, routines, yeah. like, all of that. To be able to use supplies the way you do in art. So, if you, if you liked the beginning of this submission, you're going to really enjoy this. They then took my classroom from me last minute and put me on art on a cart with no previous supplies. We hadn't had an art class in over seven years and no room to even take my prep in. I sometimes wonder in reading this if this person literally worked the school district I used to work at. Whoever the fuck decided art on a cart was the solution? Jail. <laughs> Jail. Like, so one great name. Love the name. <laughs> you think that was gonna work why did you think like art outside would be better than art on a, like I if I was that art teacher I would have preferred the parking lot and $20 worth of chalk <laughs> over art on a cart dude I maybe they thought that everyone would be distracted by the flashy name <laughs> they were like marketing is the number one most important thing in any new program <laughs> <laughs> oh, just so you know, submitter, we're not laughing at you. Just sometimes as educators, we see so much bullshit that if you don't laugh, you're just going to start crying and putting myself in your shoes. I have to laugh. This is horrible. This is really bad. So just as a disclaimer for the podcast in general, whenever we are laughing, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you and we're laughing at your admin in the situation that you guys are in. If we're not on your side, we're not going to read the story. Let's just be yeah. real clear. We already decided that. We already saw a couple where we were like, oh, I'm on the kid's side. We're going to skip that one right over. We've all had those coworkers. Anyways. Oh, God. So they had two separate self-contained classrooms, one of which had disabled students, and the other had older boys with violent and disobedient tendencies. It's almost harder to be the specials teacher if, for example, there's some violent and disobedient stuff going on, which I hate that word disobedience, actually. I'm probably not going to say that. But um, the classroom teacher might have it on lock in the classroom, but those kids are going to go to other classrooms and they might become dysregulated and then that violence might pop off in a in that setting and like it's hard to be the art teacher who doesn't have the relationship all the time all the routines all the cues because you're not with them as much and you're not able to kind of establish that yeah and they're they're on their home turf too like they're in their own classroom because you're your art on a cart coming on it into enemy territory. I had a kid, and let me tell you, I love this child to this day. Like, I hope to God that they invite me 
to everything that they ever do for the rest of their life. I had a student who he was very um, dysregulated like all the time. And he and I had a very good understanding of one another. Like we had the relationship built, like solid foundation. And a special teacher came in and one of the special teachers did not have that to say the very least. And in fact, I would say that they went out of their way to not have that relationship with my student, which pissed me off to no end because that's my baby as far as I'm concerned. But anyways, I come down the hall one day and he is having a violent outburst because that's him communicating that something is very, very wrong. And the teacher is putting all of my freaking furniture in the hallway. Like I'm coming down this long corridor and seeing my easel, my stool, all just piece after piece of my classroom furniture be put in the hallway because he was throwing every single piece. I am such a control freak. I hate when other people use my classroom. <laughs> like that. They would use my classroom for Saturday school and I'd- Oh, Saturday school. I would be like, um, they changed the settings on my projector and I need an admin password to change it back. How'd they even do that? <laughs> the projector, the dimensions of my projector, the temperature of the image on my projector. I would always do like a, my computer was connected to the projector. So I would do it as like a external monitor so that I had like my computer monitor and then would like drag the things over the kids. Yeah, same, same. And whoever taught Saturday school kept changing it to mirrored. Oh, I hate that. You could change it to mirrored without the admin password, but to change it back, you had to get the IT password from the IT guy. And it happened five times. I would end up on the news. Literally, I was talking to the administrator. I was like, listen, one of two things can happen. A conversation can be had or you will give me the IT admin password. Those are the choices. Uh -huh. <laughs> Wait, so they're, they're the art teacher for these classes. Yes. Okay, okay, I wanted to make sure I was clear on the use of and the I word self-contained. Like, yeah, isn't that interesting? So self-contained in this sense is- The your one, your yeah. definition. What was your definition yeah. again? It means like- It's just every student is in one classroom that there's no separate class for students with IEPs or any type of disability. Right. Inclusion environment. Inclusion. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this, so here's what happened next. So we already kind of know that shit's going to hit the fan because art on, on a card. If anyone thought more than 30 minutes into the future, they would have identified this is not going to work. I can't even say it without having a giggle. So art on a cart has pushed into a room where there are students who are struggling in that environment anyways. So here's what happened. They would regularly display hate speech. Ooh. And yeah, they harassed this teacher, threatened them, tried to physically fight them, wrote obscenities on their stuff and sexually harassed them. Not writing obscenities on the art card is nothing sacred. Respect. <laughs> The fucking art cart. I have nothing else. Um, I began having panic attacks just coming to school because they would leave their classrooms and come find me, even when I was on kindergarten lunch duty. I'm wondering what the age of these kids is. Do we know? I think if they had a thousand students, they might 
be older. Maybe it's like a K-8 center or something like that. I gotta be honest. I saw a lot of this in third grade last year. Oh, that's horrifying. Where is this person's admin? Like, where is any... Those people with the the fucking... What are they called? The walkie-talkies? Where are y'all at? Jingling their keys down the hallway. It's like, hey, Tony TV. We're about to learn the age of these people. Oh, perfect. Okay, get back into it. Yeah. Okay, wait. So the other school, only a couple minutes away, had the same kind of environment. I had to go to the counselor numerous times because boys were threatening to rape girls in sixth grade and nothing was done about it. These... Middle school boys on both campuses caused me so much mental turmoil that I began getting severe chest pains where I would wake up consistently at 2 a.m. crying and lay there for hours and then eventually go sit in my shower and cry some more before starting my school day. I had an incident where a boy had proven access to a loaded firearm that they would go shoot without any adults, 12-year-old boys, and one told me he was going to shoot and kill another student. I immediately went to their behavior supervisor and the principal and they told me don't talk about it anymore. I've already heard it and no sheriff call was made. That sounds so familiar to me. Don't talk about it anymore. We've heard it. Oh my God. Also, I would say the group of Americans I'm most deeply concerned about at this current moment in time is boys aged like eight to like 16. And especially if like this lack of support in the school system continues because we're just failing an entire generation of students. And I even saw a difference. So like my last year teaching high school, those kids were freshmen when I started. So I didn't know them, but I had observed them. I noticed a big difference in freshman behavior pre and post COVID. Like the 15 year olds that I first saw compared to like the new ones I saw coming in very different very different and it seemed literally like very different developmental levels and I talked to my students about it because some of them would have mixed classes my classes were always just 11th graders occasionally I would have seniors repeating and I would be like how are the freshmen in y'all's classes and they would be like miss they're fucking terrible like they're so mean to the teachers they throw stuff they were like we never acted like that when we were freshmen I don't know what's wrong with them the behavior after COVID went off the wall and we know that behavior is communication and it's communicating some type of insane trauma that we don't know because people keep saying, oh, COVID wasn't trauma. They were just home all the time. They were just home. But like, Have you seen some people's homes? A, these <laughs> home environments are not always great, but B, just being a child and being home and maybe being yanked away from your friends. Like if you've been going to school and then all of a sudden you have to stay home and you can't leave your house for two years. Like even if the kids like are comfortable at home, don't know about COVID, like everything's good vibes only, they're going to pick up on the stress from their parents. Cause like I can definitely tell like living through COVID traumatized me. Like the way I view making long-term plans, the way I feel about being in, like I'm very different because of it. So just, it's inherently traumatic as a child to have your parent go through something like that and you witness it. So like, even if they're fine, they're not fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So like this behavior that this teacher is sharing, it just sounds so familiar to, I think so many of us. It says, I found one of the girls I mentored crying at eight in the morning because one boy called her a whore and a bitch and elbow elbow checked her first thing in the morning. 
I went to talk to him and his behavior supervisor came up to me and started yelling at me not to talk to her kids. And if I don't feel supportive, I should just leave. I got to the point where students would mock me and threaten me and cuss me out every day. I started to tear up one time and they would dance around saying, look, she's going to cry and laugh in my face. They harassed the only openly gay student so bad that he would sit in the office for all of his specials. They beat up girls in their class. They beat up kids that were obviously disabled. They said horrible racist things to students. Admin believed the boys over me. The teachers and administrators treated me like I was one of the students. These are only some of the things they did to me over the years. They were doing this for years. I would have tapped out on day three. I would have been like, y'all crazy as fuck if you think I'm gonna work under these conditions. Like I literally would have gone into the principal's office and said that. I just feel like this story, cause it makes me feel less alone in some of the things that I went through. And like, I don't know that people believe the extreme behavior that we're seeing. I think most people that like don't don't have their finger on the pulse of education or whatever you want to say truly have no idea so there was like a video on the news of a teacher hitting a kid and I was like looking on Twitter about it people are like this is insane blah 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 and I saw another one of like two kids fighting same thing people like this is insane this would this is crazy this would never happen I'm like y'all don't realize even parents that your kids are in school your kid's not going to report every little thing back to you because to them, if this is the environment, it's like, okay, people being crazy. Like you don't feel the need to tell your parent that. Like, I think a lot of people have no idea how like truly in crisis so many schools are, especially elementary with the behavior. Yeah. It's bad. So here's what it says. I went up to the superintendent. She informed me that I just needed to lay down the law and that with the boys who tried to fight me, Physically, I needed to understand that that was part of their IEP. Um, I'm sure I'm that's not, not part of it. I'm not an expert in IEPs, but I have read a few dozen and none of them have ever said student is permitted to attempt to fight teacher. That's not something I've ever come across. Yeah. And like, what are we doing about it? There's no research that says laying down the laws. Lay, lay down the law is quite literally the vaguest advice you could possibly <laughs> give. You could say you really have to stick to your rules, stick to your procedures, go over the procedures and rules every single morning until they get like that's advice. But lay down the law. What is that? What does that even mean? You may come in in a sheriff's outfit. Like, what does that mean? I'm teaching art on the court and I'm wearing my sheriff outfit. There's a new partner in town, motherfucker. I'm pissed I don't have a hat. It's on Amazon. You want to get it? Yeah. Let's continue. They say, I did try to lay down the law. I tried everything for five years. But at the end of the day, they didn't understand what it was like to be a young female art teacher that the boys were physically attracted to in a hyper-conservative and traditionalistic small district. They would sexually harass me. I would lay down the law. Their harassment would turn to anger and lead to violence. When I left, the superintendent sent me a message, including my principals and assistant principals, saying I needed to come in to discuss some of the wild assumptions I've made about their school district and how exactly I thought I was overworked and overwhelmed. 
She was being very condescending and kept quoting my most vulnerable statements in a reply where she added four more people. I was working all day long, nearly every day with no teaching experience. Lest we forget, this was a para that was stuck in an art class. I literally already forgot about that. I did too, because we've been in such a saga. Um, CPS calls well over a thousand students, creating curriculum and curriculum and lesson plans from scratch, buying materials, not having five minutes to pee on a normal day. And she said it was a wild assumption that I was being overworked. My nervous system and body was in a constant state of panic and dread. When I quit four weeks before school ended for the summer, I spent all the time since spending thousands on therapy to process the trauma of all the things I saw, experienced and endured. And not a single person validated the way I was treated said it was not professional or not okay. In fact, I had several teachers tell me they were sorry. I couldn't do it anymore. Some people just aren't made for this. It's not for the faint of heart. I want to throw up on those people's face. Like out of every combination of words in the English language, that's what you went with? Silence Silence is free. That's what people are saying on TikTok. Oh, that it's not for the faint of heart. Bro, bro. What is who can endure who it's like who then who is it for like who is it for people that hate themselves and want to be miserable and underpaid like that should be for no one (laughs) honestly and teaching doesn't have to be like that that's the thing like it, it it does not have to be this way but nobody listens to stories like that or people like that they're like oh Everyone always discounts it as like an anomaly. Everyone's like, oh, that's one school, one admin, one kid. That's crazy. That's not. But like, no, it's not an anomaly. Like, um, what's that? He's just not that into you where that guy is like, you all think you're the exception, but you're the rule. Yeah. So it's like, these are not the exception. These are the norm. Yeah. It's so crazy to me that like these things can happen and everyone's just like, oh, just do it for the kids. They're like, remember your why. You teach well, for the outcome, not the income. <laughs> one more person starts a PD with, let's talk about our why. I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'm trying to think. This is, again, another very California versus Florida. Every PD I went to, it was like, let's talk about how we're going to increase our data from point burr My husband would hear our meetings and be like, are you in group therapy or are you in a PD? But I actually realized I have a very biased PD opinion because I just remembered that I went to one district PD that was like that. And I was like, this is the biggest fucking waste of time I've ever experienced in my life. And after that point, I would only take PDs from that weird, like, oversee the struggling schools office. I would only take PDs from them for U.S. history teachers. So I think that's why mine were so data-y, actually looking back, because I refused to do the general ones. Oh my god, it was it was a trip. Your group We're therapy, PD? We kind of need the group therapy. I don't know. <laughs> what do we do now? Did you have this, the two-sentence one? Oh, that was the end of that one? So I do have the other short one. Also, we should probably, at some point, put, like, trigger warning for everything on this. Oh, 100%. Alright, so... Next submission, it is a short one. My first year teaching, I was diagnosed with fibroid tumors, which was causing excessive and prolonged bleeding. I was in the hospital and had to miss a week of work. My supervisor told me I should get a hysterectomy so I wouldn't have to miss any more work. I was 25, which like side note, no matter what your age, if you want a hysterectomy, rock on, get one. 
But more important note, never fucking suggest that to literally anyone unless you are their gynecologist. That's the only time anyone should suggest a hysterectomy. I am speechless. HR has entered the chat because what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh my God. The way that like sick time gets handled as teachers is wild to me. I'm very lucky that I never had to deal with like a super prolonged illness when I was teaching. Obviously I got sick, but it was never anything where I had to miss a ton of work. Our procedure is we had to have emergency sub plans at the beginning yeah. of the year. So I would just make like a self-paced Nearpod and then if, or a couple of them. And if I ever had to call in sick, I would just call and then tell my department head and he would watch my class and I would send the kids the Nearpod on Google Classroom. So like me calling in sick as a teacher was easy compared to most people, but yeah. most people calling in sick as a teacher, like what do you have to do if you call in sick as a teacher? It was pretty much the same. Like we would do a sub binder in the beginning of the year, but my sub binder was never really great. Like I remember my first trimester, I was really, really sick with my daughter. And I, I have a video of me sitting in the middle of my classroom with a trash can beside me. It was like 4 PM. Cause I knew that I was going to be out the next day and I had to get worksheets out. Cause the kids, you know, they, they can't work the computers as well as some Your children. Work. You can't just send them an email and be like, see you tomorrow. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're, you're getting all the technology information for the sub and you're getting the class list and you're getting the IEP snapshots and like what they need to know, but also like worksheet worksheets to cover nine hours of work, you know? That's the thing about elementary is like that sub's going to be in there with them all day. You need to have a plan because my kids, they were in the class for an hour and 20 minutes. So I usually would leave what I felt was 30, 45 minutes of work and then write a note for the sub that said like, um, they're allowed to either make up assignments for my class or another class. And like, you just do that a couple times. It's a lot easier of a rodeo to pull off. But it's also with the sick time too. So I know every district does like sick time differently. There is a wall by our copier where all of the emails of people who needed donated sick leave were like tacked to the board. Oh, that is and awful. It's like the missing uh, people wall at Walmart. And it felt that way. I mean, when one new one would be put up, you'd be like, well, oh my God, like, are they okay? Like what's going on? And how is that a plan? It's not, it's a cop out. just like so many things that we endure in education. It is a cop out. It's so, it's so they can check a box and be like, yeah, we have a plan for that. When the risk management lawyer at the district is going through their line item with the superintendent and says, oh, do you have a plan for if a staff member has a medical issue and will need more than their sick days? They can be like, yeah. And then they yeah. move on and never think about it again. Yeah. And I do feel bad because I, I don't know if I should feel bad, but I do feel bad because I know that everybody's drowning, like at every level. HR office, I went on their website because I was trying to get approved for my leave of absence. And like all of these positions are listed as vacant. So I know they're overworked and I know my admin's overworked and I know we're overworked and the kids are just beside themselves because if, we as adults are stressed, like the kids are usually going to magnify that stress in their own bodies. Exactly. And it's just, it's a lot, but I really want to end with something like hopeful. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I can think of something. Give me a second to think of something. I'm Googling happy stories in education. <laughs> Zero results. Uh, 
kind of i mean this is like uh, kind of cringy and annoying and we can probably not do it every episode but i feel like me and you are having this podcast to like bring attention to these things and normalize them but you were talking about i don't know if it was on here or on tiktok the other day where like the change is gonna have to come from parents like i feel like now recently because like teacher quit talk was like started fall 21 and then now it's starting to be in the news i feel like i'm starting to see more parents show up at union things more parents show up at school boards and i feel like I hope that that's the impact with this podcast is for parents so that like more stakeholders, parents included, can see what's going on and be able to advocate more. Because just how we were saying, like the district swamped, the admin are swamped. None of us can fix it. No one in it can fix it. It's going to have to come from the top and we need to yell at Joseph Biden. Yeah, we really do. His wife should be yelling at him. Okay, so I'm very disappointed with Dr. Jill Biden. Really had high hopes for you, ma'am. You were talking quite a lot of game. I really thought that Dr. Jill Biden was going to, like, be the wave of change for us. Yeah, me too. Um, Honestly, shame on us for believing. (laughs) Yeah, that's on us. But side note about Dr. Jill Biden, she has actually inspired me. All of her talks about how much she loves working with community college students. Are you going to work at work with them no so what i would want to teach is like i notice this a lot a lot of my students were not ready for college and then went to community college and then ended up dropping out because they just got really overwhelmed with like the big disconnect i saw was like being in charge of yourself like having the syllabus writing down the dates keeping track of them going to office hours if you need help like not having the teacher be the one to prompt you so I would love to teach like U.S. History 101 at a community college with those freshmen and be like, all right, it's college now. Because my freshman year of college, I had a professor who the first day was like, raise your hand if you're a freshman. And most of us were. And she was like, I'm going to explain how college works to you because no one does. And that's what Jill Biden said. She said she loves working. She teaches like English 1101 at a college, at a community college and said she loves it for that reason. Oh, that's awesome. So if I ever want to get a master's degree, that would be why. Yeah. The thing, the thing about us that's really bad <laughs> is we just continue to be inspired. <laughs> Unprompted. The thing about us that's really, yeah. My family gets so mad because every time I call them, I have a different career plan. I changed my major seven times. I came into college with tons of credits so I couldn't change my major. And I'm really glad that I had that parameter in there because I would have changed it seven times. There is a quote from a book that I love that says, sometimes I can hear my bones straining under the weight of all the lives I'm not living. And I'm like, the lives I'm not living, like- No, that is the quote. Cause like I could be anywhere doing anything and I'm right here. Like I could literally be living in the Alaska wilderness right now. And maybe someday you will be. Maybe someday I'm going to get eaten by a bear. I actually told my uncle that randomly. I was like, I want to go to Alaska and be in the woods. And he used to be in the army and was based in Alaska. And he was like, you actually don't want to do that. Oh, because of the bears? <laughs> no, he his exact words were, knowing everything about you, you would be miserable. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, every time I've seen you not in a large, comfortable bed connected to Wi-Fi, you're like displeased. <laughs> side note about Alaska there's a way more men in Alaska than women so he said if I ever want a husband to go to Alaska because you'll get one right away because there's so few women and he also said that apparently when he lived in Alaska in like the 
80s or 90s, and I'm sure this still happens, strippers will go to Alaska on a business trip and be like, let me make this Alaska money because apparently there's like no women there. So like the strip clubs are always really short staffed. Okay, guys. So if we're getting out of education, <laughs> let's maybe this think about podcast that. podcast is actually a recruitment. We have a Greyhound bus. It will be <laughs> <laughs> Please send your audition tape to teacherquittalk at gmail.com. Oh, God. I'm still looking through for positive. I don't think we have one. I think our most positive sentiment is, one, you can always go be a stripper in Alaska. That's always on the table. Always. They can't take that away from us. Two, we're hoping that non-education people see this and, like, force our government to do something. That's our other positive takeaway is those of you that are listening to listening to this at the Secretary of Education on Twitter. Call Congress and be like, hey, bitch, it's Congress. Or, hey, Congress, it's bitch. And just be like, I heard some really troubling things on this podcast that I'd like to ask about. Get us played on the floor of Congress. Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm going to wear this outfit. You know that Joe Exotic audio where it's like, I'm not wearing a suit. <laughs> Me, me lobbying Congress. We have been on the phone for literally like for four hours. Four hours. Yeah. I'm going to go get McDonald's. This was great. I feel like this episode's going to be an even better episode. I hope so. Thank you all for joining episode two. Um, we will see you in episode three where we will be better. Better all the time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>